I digress. We're here to talk about Sister Sarah. Uh, my favourite subject. No, yes, yes, okay. indeed. Oh, Sarah, tell us all about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> I think it'll be easier if we just get my therapist number and he can come on and, and explain who I am yeah. as a person as a well, whole. Well, <laughs> you don't know it. But we've got them we- on the line. Uh, in a soundproof booth hey, right now. David, what's up? <laughs> I do want to know how he got my number, though, Sarah. I don't. Uh, he's he's been calling me. He's like, is this true? <laughs> he's looking for more patience, and I'm like, you know what? I've got a few people I know. Uh, were you born into the covenant, or were you converted? How did your church journey begin? I was born and raised. My dad was a convert. He converted in his mid-teens. My mom started going to church when she was three or four when my grandpa married my step-grandmother, and she was Mormon. And she's like, well, the only way I'm going to marry you is if you're Mormon, too. So he's like, fine, let's do this. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, right. Hang on, back up. Your grandpa married your step-grandma. Grandmother, yeah. So your real grandmother is the one before it? Yes, yes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So he was married and he had three children with his first wife. They divorced. He got full custody. And then he married this new woman. Actually, it's funny because she was only 17 when they got married, which is. Oh, that's a true Mormon. Yeah, we'll not even touch that part. But Uh, how old was he? Uh, old enough to have three kids. I think they're 14 years apart. Well, yep, yeah, okay. That, that sounds very Mormon standard. Very okay. much. And he wasn't even Mormon at that time. So he oh, could, there you go. He, yeah. he was pre-Mormon. Yeah. So she, uh, as the saying goes, flirt to convert. It's basically what she did. Like, you know, uh, you want to tap this, you got to get into the baptism of on. So that's what they did. So my mom. I haven't heard that term for years. Flirt, flirt to, to convert. convert. That yes. was a good one. Um, yeah. Another one I loved was um, a dunk them and dump them. <laughs> like, Get them in, but then like <laughs> stop dating them afterwards. It's like you're Mormon now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is only yeah. for Jesus. It's a great, mm. exactly. It's a great missionary tool. I know so many guys that ended up joining the church because they met a hot Mormon church girl who wouldn't put out unless they uh, unless she joined the church. It's so and, obvious, and, though, isn't it? Like uh, when I was when I was a teen and in church, the people my age around me doing all of this stuff, and I'm just like. Come on, you don't really, you, you know, this is not really your forever person or whatever, you know. You, you know, that you and me, patience, you sound like me because even though I was a good Mormon girl, um, I fought against some of the stereotypes. So, like, for me, like, my friends started dating at, like, 16, like, I'm good. And then they started getting married at 20, and I'm like, I'm going to get married at 30 instead. Like, I, like, I had goals. Like, and so, goals. Yeah, still a good Mormon girl, but, I, yeah, the feminist in me wanted to push against all of those, like, break the barriers of that one, which is hilarious because you can't break the barriers in the Mormon church, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I digress. Isn't that just the truth, though? I tell you what, it has to be some pretty good pussy to want to join a church just so you can tap it. Which you, know? you so. don't know until you get married. So yeah, that's where yeah, they hook you. Yeah. That's where they hook you, and then you realize it's just yeah. missionary style for the rest of your life. But anyways, my grandfather married my step grandmother. He had three kids from his previous marriage, and then they ended up having ten kids together. So in total, they raised 13 kids in the church. And my mom was the second of the 13. By the time I came around as a child, most of my aunts and uncles left the church. And then my dad being a convert, we didn't have any 
Mormons on his side. Even though I was raised in the church, I was lucky enough to be raised seeing life outside of the church. Not like most of my friends where all the relatives were. So I saw them happy. I saw them joyful. And even as a small child, when I went to church and they were telling me that the only way you could have true happiness is if you were baptized and you go through the temple and you have eternal Mormon life. And I'm looking at my grandfather, who was never a member, but he was literally one of the kindest men I ever knew. And I'm like, I see his happiness. So how can that be artificial? And you're trying to tell me that he's not welcome in the kingdom of God because he never got baptized. So even as a small child, I kind of saw that and I was like, "Mm, yeah, that doesn't rub me the right way. But I did, which a lot of Mormons do, which I took that little doubt and I put it on a shelf. I'm like, we'll deal with that later. Your grandfather never joined as a member. No, he did, but he was tired. He had 13 kids. So he literally just went through emotion. (laughs) I don't think he ever really had the faith. I really don't. But she was in control and she did everything and they continued going to church. Right. Okay. He married a Mormon because she put out to get him into Jesus. Ah, right. Yeah, now we get it. There it is. Okay. Patience is is. finally you're caught up with this. (laughs) All right. Yes. Fucking hell. He wasn't Mormon and he married a Mormon and then they ended up having all these kids together. And I honestly do not believe that he even had a testimony in it, but it was just what his wife wanted. Uh, He had a testimony, all right. In her pants. (laughs) Ah! 13 kids, come on. Yeah. They weren't doing scripture study every night. (laughs) They they were getting to know each other biblically. (laughs) Oh, Book of Mormonly, as we say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure one of them was on their knees every night, but yeah. I don't think it was for praying. So, oh, do you pray? Yeah. 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 So, so let's look at your life then. Were you a good little Molly Mormon girl? What were you oh, like? She was the- not a good little Molly Mormon girl. She doesn't have the conscientiousness, just like you, Paul, yeah. to be good little Molly Mormon. I was a good little Molly Mormon. No, you weren't. You drank <laughs> Dr. Pepper. You dated Peter the Pinkhead. hottest girl in school. I have no yeah. idea what you were doing in your yeah, off time. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't drink alcohol and I didn't get to have sex with the hottest girl in school. Oh, so I, I bet you did other things. I bet you did close to other things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah probably sh- if, out of respect for her, but not give too there much away go. there. there but, wait, is this, I feel like I'm in a bishop's interview right now, like trying to get all the things <laughs> out. Like, how far did you take it? Mm, did, did did you orgasm? Oh. How many times? Uh, yes, right. Did, did you orgasm? Yeah, did you orgasm? <laughs> and how many times? Next question. Oh, that's really, that's really, <laughs> wait, we ended up talking about Sarah. I'm sorry, was I disconnected? Okay. It was very quiet. Did I get disconnected there for a while? <laughs> Out of respect for the young lady in question, oh, I give away too many details. No, I understand that. She's a really nice person, by the way. Yeah, she's not a Mormon and never was a Mormon, so I don't know if she'll hear this or not. But let's just say when you're a guy, two things you never forget are the first car you drive and the first boobs you touch. I can't remember the car, but I do remember the first boobs I touched. They would have been your own, weren't they? Touche. <laughs> you mean the first boobs you touched that weren't that yours? That weren't on my body, exactly, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so anyway, right, Your Molly Mormon journey. I actually think you were a good little Molly Mormon girl. I but, don't think uh, you were. So what's the truth? I actually was a good Mormon girl for quite a while. Like my siblings were in and out of the church, even in their teens. I think I was the only one that really stayed steady most of the time in the church. I hate to admit this, but I was the one that was like reading the Book of Mormon that night before I went to bed. I've read through this thing. I don't know how many times I didn't retain it, but 
I barely remember it, but I was a little bit of a Molly Mormon. But at the same time, I always was on the progressive side with my thought. Looking back, not knowing there was a title to it, but I always knew I was feminist. So me trying to justify being and having faith in a church that is sexist, racist, hates the LGBTQ community, I tried to always try to justify that, but I never was on their side with that. So that was really hard. But oh my God, the backbending I did to try and like stretch it like, okay, well, maybe if this and this and that, then maybe it's not sex. Okay, I can live with that. I, I should have been in yoga, mm. the stretching and, and reaching that I <laughs> Did. I should be way more bendy than what I am right now. So you're a very feminist now and uh, a real supporter of LGBT, but were you back then? Yes. But did you care about those issues? I did. You know, when they talked about things like homosexuality being a choice, even though I was very much a Christian, very much Mormon, I've always had so much respect for science. And so when you look at the science of it and you're like, no. Science is showing us that people are born homosexual. When you go to a church that's saying it's a sin, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around it going, how can it be a sin if God created them in that way? Like, why would he create them already sinning to begin with? My teenage mind could wrap my brain around it. Trial of faith or something. Yeah. So I basically, <laughs> again, I took that, put it right on the shelf. And I told myself like, well, I don't agree with that part of it, but I still agree with most of it. So we'll just ignore that one. But I was also the person in class when they would say something, I would raise my hand and be like, mm, is that true though? Yeah. Some teachers really didn't not like me. Oh, did you do seminary, did you? I did seminary for the first two years. It was after school. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. Didn't have to go through the early morning torture. Yeah. So I had to wake up at like the butt crack of dawn just to get over there. But the third year I went for some stupid reason, my brother and I, who are around the same age, we went to seminary together. We were going in the afternoon. And for some reason, I think it's because there was a girl in the class that my brother liked and he convinced me to go to early morning seminary mm -hmm. with him. Of course it was a girl. So my ass was getting up that early to go. And I'm like, I quit. So again, we've got a young boy doing extreme Mormon stuff just to try and impress a girl. Oh, yeah. He's like, because I want to impress this young lady, I will start going to early morning seminary. She's bound to want to date me then. But isn't that the reason that boys do almost everything? Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But we do do stupid things for women, uh, I, I will admit. Those hormones are racing and those poor deacons. And let me tell you, they'll do anything. Here I, here I am 20, 30 years later and I still haven't learned those lessons. <laughs> <laughs> The vagina, it's a magical place. It really is. It pulls people in. It is the Bermuda Triangle for sure. Alright, <laughs> 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 uh, so let's talk about getting out then. What's your okay. getting out story? How, how did you start to be like, nope, this is it, I'm out, bullshit. I kind of went in and out as a teenager and then I always came back and looking back at it as more of a guilt than anything. Like every, every time I came back, it was a guilt. Like I felt guilty for not going. I felt guilty for not praying every day. So I really just went there uh, to relieve that. And then I met my husband um, in Russia. Uh, he was serving his mission there and I was introduced to him between a mutual friend as I was backpacking. We became friends. We were writing each other and he was at the tail end of his mission at that point. So by the time that we... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Back up. How did you get to backpacking through Russia being a Molly Mormon girl? 
Okay, so you remember how I said that I pushed against things, but not like sin-wise. All my friends get married at 20 and I'm like, nope, I'm going to get married at 30. I want 10 kids. I don't even know if I want kids. So for me, instead of going on mission, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to travel. I went to Hawaii. I went to Australia. Admit it. Australia was disappointing. No, she loves Australia. How do you love it? I love it. I would rather be there than here. I'm not lying. <laughs> Well, especially during COVID, because we didn't give a flying fuck about it like the rest of the world should have. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on COVID over here. No, we have an agreement. As soon as the borders are open, Sarah is coming down here and we're going to hang out. It's been 20 years since I've been to Australia. I need to get over there and visit for sure. Yeah. One of my trips, I was backpacking with a girlfriend through Eastern Europe and Russia. She served her mission in Russia. We went over there because there's a guy that she met on her mission. And when she came home, they started chatting. And then she's like, I think something's there. I want to go see him. Like, can I come with you? And she was like, hell yeah, let's go. So we backpacked in Europe first and then we went to to Russia and he was the guy that introduced me to my now husband. Oh, of course he was. Did those two hook up though? Yeah, actually they did. They got married, they had two kids and then they divorced because let's just say it, he's a jackass and I'm glad he's gone. Oh, he's a man? <laughs> well, if you want to call him that, sure. But uh, <laughs> he and my husband served in the same area. So he introduced us. And then, like I said, by the time that we met, he was on the tail end. As what they call it, trunking it. Meaning like the missionaries are done and they just want to get home. Like they're like, I have like three yeah, weeks to yeah. go. Like, really, why am I doing this? Just let me go home. So that's where basically where he was. Common Mormon terminology. We're going to discuss some of the terms and stuff later. But yeah, trunky. You're end of your mission in nearly two years. You just want to get home. So you've already packed your trunks. You're all ready to go. And they call that being trunky. Yeah, because you're just sitting on your luggage waiting to go home. I was the opposite. I didn't want to come home, actually. I, I left it all to, to the end. I was quite happy over there. You were in Japan. No one would want to leave that place. Everyone wants to leave there eventually. Go ahead and ask someone in, like, in Des Moines or somewhere in Nebraska and ask them if they want to stay on their mission. They're going to say, hell no, I want to get out of this place. Yeah, yeah fair yeah, enough. But you were in Japan. No one wants to leave that place. Oh, no, patients lived in Japan for a while, too, and came home. I lived there for a couple of years. Yeah. Did you serve a mission too? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was on my own mission. There you go. A mission of self-discovery. To not smash Japanese pussy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Good decision. Maybe, uh -huh. maybe next time. Maybe next time. They kept trying to set me up with a Japanese person. I'm just like, I'm not here for that. I really just like the language. Fancy that. Yeah. I came to yeah. Japan because I like the language. <laughs> Apparently nobody does that. No. <laughs> You only go if you're a missionary or if you want to get yourself some foreign um, pussy or dick, depending on what your preference is. Yeah, I noticed that. I was the odd one out. Yeah. So, so anyway, you're over there. You meet a trunky Ilya. A trunky Ilya. And we became friends. We rode each other. We sent packages to one another and postcards and things. And then he convinced me to go to Ukraine, where he's from. And he was basically, again, home at the time off of his mission. So I was talking about going to other places. He's like, no, no, no. Come to Ukraine and we'll backpack through Ukraine together. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <sighs> That's right. I was there for weeks and it went from friendship to more at that point after four weeks of being there mm. so a different kind of backpacking yeah, well <laughs> were you still good mormons though or did you take it a bit further than that your silence only incriminates um, you <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't a particularly scary question, though. Okay, you know what? No one who's going to judge me in my life is going to be listening to this. So I'll just say, I always have a joke. My sister and I, we always have a joke where I said that when I got married, my vagina was a virgin, but my mouth wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he married her. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I don't so care like, about well, your yeah. vagina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I give him letters to have to admire. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I went a couple more times, got engaged. I got him over to the U.S. And three weeks later, we were married in the Portland Temple. So I was doing all of the wedding prep without him as we were waiting for his visa to come. So the poor guy stepped off the plane into America, into my family. And I had never been through the temple. And it's all secret. So sacred um, that we can't talk about it outside of the temple. So I had no idea what to expect. We got married, but I, because again, it was so rushed. I didn't get my endowments out till like two days before the wedding. What's your endowments? The endowments is the biggest thing you do in the temple. Uh. You may remember patients when you went through the Brisbane temple with me. Remember there was a few different rooms? Yeah, they were kind of small. There was one where they show like a video. Uh. Basically what it is, is they show these videos of these people who are supposed to be Adam and Eve, Satan and God. And Jesus. I wish I'd seen those videos. Very badly acted, very badly scripted. Oh, it's bad. Bad. Very bad, yeah. Literally scripted like this person is playing Satan. This person is playing Adam. This person is playing Eve. <sighs> so they do these scenes and then they stop it. And then you do like a step in the next process of uh, going through. Patience, you know the temple robe. Yeah. So basically the endowment is where you put those robes on. So at each stage in the journey, you put a different piece of the clothing on. So you start off with just a green apron thingy. And then you put on the white robe, I think on the left shoulder first. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not just wearing the apron. You make it sound like it's a sexual. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Sex thing. Everybody's dressed in white beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody's dressed. Well, I'm sitting there going, oh, trust me, if I just saw men and women just wearing a green apron, I would have gone there a lot more than what I did. I was going to say the same thing. If it was all nudity, I'd probably still be going. But anyway. Instead, we're wearing white dresses. Yeah, yeah, men are wearing white suit, white tie. Everything is white. They look like a 90s R&B group, like a boys band <laughs> where all, they're all in yeah, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm taking diamonds for you like you want me to. Baby, shake my hand. Say my name through the veil. <laughs> so, so basically, yeah, you go through this whole ritual thing and you put the clothing on and then there's these secret handshakes that you need to learn and do and secret signals. And that's where you covenant to do several things. So you, you covenant to... Uh, what they call the law of consecration, which is surprisingly a lot like communism. Of course it is. It's a religion. It's collectivism yeah. on roids. Yes, yes. So you dedicate everything you have and everything you are to serving the Lord. And then the women, lucky women, you know, you get that extra step. You also get the covenant to submit to your husbands. Come on, patient. Bow down with me. <laughs> And, and that is the literal word. It is you will hearken and submit to your hearken. husband at all times. Yeah. And I'm a feminist hearing this. What's the actual endowment? It's the whole process is what they call the endowment. You do different stages. You start off with certain handshakes and signs. Then you get to the next stage and there's more handshakes and signs and more covenants. Then you get to the end and you do a big prayer circle thing. And then you go through. The prayer circle. No, it's a circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Again, patience. If that were happening, I would have gone there more. Instead, it's literally chanting and hands up in the sky and everything. Hear the words of my mouth. Oh, my oh God. God. Hear the words oh of my, my mouth. You're triggering me. <laughs> I know. I know. I haven't heard those words since the last time I went there. Oh, God. Me too. I'm only just remembering it now. Oh. It's the most cultish part of the church when you go through the temple. And that's exactly the thought process I had when I was going through this. That's when you, you hit and you're like, am I in a cult? Am I in a cult right now? Am I in a cult? Yeah, same for me. Even though I was a hardcore believer, I'd never felt comfortable in there. My brain was always like, get out. This is not normal. I actually, in my mind, I thought, what the fuck? And then I felt bad for thinking that because I'm in godly house. I'm so sorry, Jesus, but seriously, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand. Like, you're doing handshakes and you're putting on weird bonnets and aprons and things. And you're all doing it in unison to together in a group because and again you have the men on one side women on the other side of the room yeah complete segregation yes like I couldn't even sit with my husband and I remember walking in the men wear these hats and I looked at him and I thought these white hats and I'm like oh my god Ilya looks like chef boy rd <laughs> <laughs> Or the Pillsbury Doughboy. What, what is he wearing? They literally like throw you in the deep end. You're like, here's your apron. I'm like, why? Am I cooking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even sit by my husband who has been through and can help me through this. No, I have to sit by a complete stranger as we're going through and doing these things. Watching the horrible movie. My mind was so numb by the time I got home because it was just a whirlwind of what the fuck? What is this? What did I just sign up for? I went the first time. Two days later, we got married. And I went through only one more time through the temple. And that was because I was talking to my two friends in the church, two women, and they were progressive thinking like I am, my age as well. Just gotten married all at the same time. And I told them, I'm like, I didn't feel comfortable in there. And they're like, trust me, it's weird. You know, we should all go together. So I went with my two very good girlfriends. And first of all, one of them is a honored thespian. And I'm sitting next to her and we're watching this film. And I look over at her and I said, how much is this hurting your acting soul right now? And she just starts giggling. And then she elbows me because she knows because the acting is horrible. <laughs> Can you critique this for me as a thespian? How was that? She's like, it's bad. Now stop saying it. <laughs> it was the worst scripted and acted thing I've ever seen. It was terrible. And then at one point, Satan is talking to people. He literally looks at this camera. So he's looking at you and starts talking to you. And that's where I lost it. And I started to giggle. <laughs> <laughs> They broke the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve do the same thing. There's that headshot of Adam and Eve at the end of their part where they look at us and, and talk to us and they're like, please listen to these messengers. They're from God. As if our parents kind of telling us, you know, it's all good. Pay attention to what these people do. They're nice. Well, I've got to admit, Eve was kind of hot. Oh, of course she was. <laughs> I don't remember her. I just remember creepy Satan. Well, remember there were two videos. There was one where, where Satan was this older creepy guy and there was another one where Satan was this younger guy. And I remember hearing all of the women say that they were hoping it was the video with the young Satan because, you know, he was the sexy Satan. He was supposed to be a sexy Satan and yet for me, he creeped me the fuck out. <laughs> I don't know what about him, but like I got like a shiver before I started giggling like uh, that man ain't right. I, I don't know how they did it, but they always showed Adam and Eve just sort of from the uh, top of the boobs up and even though I was a good Mormon boy, I was looking at Eve going, can they scan the camera down just a little, please? 
and see breast? Are you kidding me? I want to see some Eve titties. That's is, I was seeing that in the temple. This is literally <laughs> from the church who has this closet that they call the nursing room, but it's a closet that they want the women to go breastfeed their babies in because they don't want it around the church. The same church that says women have to have their shoulders covered everywhere they go, but in the temple, full-on shoulder porn, baby. That that Eve and her shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My endowment was definitely raised. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm going to forever call your penis the endowment. <laughs> it's, it's time to take out the endowment. Yeah. People may ask, like, when are you going to use that? I'll give you an endowment session later. Oh my gosh, yes. Buy <laughs> <laughs> the Urim and Thummim. All right, well, put your summon anywhere near me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The Urim can be there, but the Thummim is staying away. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, okay. But anyways, so I'm going through the second time with girlfriends. We're trying to, you know, get into this and we go out to lunch afterwards. And I'm like, I can't. There's literally chanting in the temple and, you know, raising of hands. And, you know, so we're all kind of laughing and joking, which funny enough, those two women left the church after I did. So we're oh, all really? three out of the church. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. We found each other on Facebook and we were like, oh. Oh my gosh. She's like, I see you're drinking. Did you get out? I'm like, did you get out? <laughs> All three of us that were doubting and everything. In fact, one of them came out recently as lesbians. <laughs> I'm like, you really did it like the opposite. You went the opposite way. <laughs> but yeah, that was the last time I went through the temple. And it was then that my shelf really started to burst. And uh, it was literally being held up by Mormon guilt. Yeah. You know what? Even after my husband and I left, we were like, so like but what if it's true <laughs> and then we just had to keep on reminding ourselves that if this whole thing is true and you know the mormons were right all along i still don't want their version of heaven yeah. so i told Ilya, I'm like well it looks like damnation for me so we might as well go out partying in a life if we're going to be living in hell that's the thing what they're selling is not something that is enjoyable i'd just rather die i need to know if there's going to be weed in heaven <laughs> Weed, shrooms, you know what? Oh my gosh, can you imagine the shrooms in heaven? <gasps> oh. See, so, so what I want to put to you is could you imagine an eternity with your family if there was no weed or shrooms available? I mean, that is not heaven. <laughs> that is nowhere near heaven. <laughs> My family literally does not do holidays together because there's combinations that can't stand one another. So, no. Actually, yeah, like I've seen the guest list for heaven, and i got to say, I'm not impressed. <laughs> Hitler will be there, apparently, according to the Mormons. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hitler will be there. I mm -hmm. will not, but Hitler will be, everybody. Mm -hmm. That's the church you're joining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Go and hang out with Hitler while Paul burns in hell. But he was such a powerful leader, you know. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Look at his guidance. <laughs> well, and as we bring that up, Hitler too, they also baptized Anne Frank. So the Jewish people are coming up and more going, please, are you literally trying to baptize one of the most famous Jewish people that we have, you know, with her past and everything as a Mormon? 
they were so determined to get Hitler in, they baptised him for the dead three times. Yes, I've heard that. It only needs to happen once, but he was done three times. And so they want Hitler up there with them. That is a lot of sins to be washing off that man. He needed more dunking than that. There's not a baptismal font big enough. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Him and Anne Frank are now up there sitting around together having a nice little Kool-Aid together, you know. Oh, yeah. So sorry I invaded Poland and killed your people. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm over it now. Mormonism is really just so rude to Judaism. Oh, yeah. They're rude to everything. To them, they're the ones that are right. It's all about them. It's all about their beliefs. And there is, like, literally no world outside that. So, yeah. Why would they think about other religions? There's no religion uh, other than the Mormon religion. So so how long has it been now since you finally uh, pulled the plug and walked away? Two years after we got married, we were not going very often anyways. Finally, we decided let's give it a period of time where we don't go. So we didn't. And on Sundays, we did the things that we wanted to do. We were living in Florida at the time. So we went to Pensacola Beach. Who would want to sit in a church for three hours when they can be on Pensacola Beach with white sand? I mean, come on. We did that every Sunday. It was very white sand. So that makes it Mormon approved. Yes. It was very delightsome sand. It was. What am I doing recording this podcast? I'm off to the beach. <laughs> See you later, fuckers. It's brighter than the noonday sun. I live in Queensland. People come from all over the world to this great state for our fucking beaches. And I'm in here in an air-conditioned room in an apartment. What the fuck? What are you doing here? Go, girl. <sighs> I'm stuck in the U.S. I don't want to be here. I my life, Sarah. <laughs> I, I actually stay inside most of the time. I like it in here. Five months we lived in Florida and the East Coast before coming back home to the Portland area. We didn't go to church. And in fact, I stopped wearing my garment and he stopped wearing his garment. So we got home and I'm like, okay, look, we need to piss or get off the pot at this point. Like, are we going to go back and try this or are we just going to say we're done? And I remember the look on Ilya's face when he looked over, he goes, I really don't want to go back. And I looked at him like, thanks. God, I don't want to go either. I don't want to go back. We've always been on the same page um, together with that. So it wasn't that big of a surprise, but it was just more of a relief. And I know that some people have a hard time leaving the church. You know, it's, um, you know, almost like PTSD feeling of leaving. And I was the exact opposite. The moment that we said we're done was such a relief, like this weight off my chest. All of that Mormon guilt was gone and I never felt it again, ever. So I went to drinking coffee with no issues. I, you know, started drinking alcohol. I got blackout drunk and I didn't feel bad about it the next day. Other than being hungover, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hence why I went to edibles. Twice the fun, no hangover. I think that's exactly it. So we were talking about some of the, the funny little Mormon rules we had growing up. Stuff like, you know, on Sundays, it varies. There were the, the extreme levels and not extreme. So there were some people in church who say on Sunday, you always wear your Sunday best throughout the entire day, even at home. So, you know, you're at home, you're wearing your shirt and your tie or your, your pretty dress 
virus or whatever. You don't watch TV on Sundays. You meant to just read the scriptures. What were some of the other crazy ones we had? So my parents would not allow us to do any activities in the water, swimming pool, ocean, river, lake, because they believed that Satan controlled the waters on Sunday. <laughs> Further than that, it was taught where I live, if you're going on a mission, once you got your mission call, don't go near the water because Satan will try to kill you in the water before you get your chance to go on your mission. There are so many of those urban legends. I'm sure you've heard this too, Paul, where the, I've heard it two versions where the man before his mission got in a car accident and he got burned, but it didn't burn where the, where the garments were. Is his face now burned? The garments don't cover the face. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, wait, so, or, you know, some accident and something was going to pierce through their skin. Like metal was going to pierce through when it stopped. And the paramedics don't know how it didn't go through the skin. And I'm like, well, apparently because cotton repels metal. <laughs> Cotton is harder than Tefla. Apparently so. I remember another one as well, you know, because you go swimming. Swimming is one of the only times you don't wear your garments. But, you know, I always remember being told, get them back on as soon as possible after you get out of the pool because there was that guy who decided not to put his garments on before he drove home and then he died in a car accident on the way home. Right. What is it about death, too? Uh, uh, wear your garments or you will die. Exactly. <laughs> They told us to avoid anything rated R and beyond. Even as a full-grown adult, if it was rated R, the Lord and Prophet did not want you to see it. My parents are really big into music and movies. My father literally sees every movie that comes out. So we're not going to give up seeing rated R movies. Anytime we watch movies at church or any church activity, it always had to be G or PG. Even if it had like a certain number of swear words, people would walk out and, and not watch the movies. Oh, no, they said fuck twice. We can't watch it anymore. <gasps> There's a sex scene in a PG-13. Why isn't this rated R? And then you got the problem of define sex scene. Exactly. There's Disney movies where there's sex scenes. Like everything, it's shades of grey. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? That's right. <laughs> so anyway, so my parents, like when we were having family night together, which hardly ever happened, my family was a little bit beyond like Sunday Mormon. Like we had some rules, but we hardly ever prayed together. We never had scripture study. Oh, really? Yeah, no. My father was the one that was eating Cheerios on Sunday as he was finally cracking open his manual to teach a lesson that day. That was my dad. <laughs> we had the dinner time prayer together. Whenever we ate dinner together, we'd, we'd say a prayer. Yeah. I remember we used to try to do like a morning prayer as often as possible. But of course, once you've got work and seminary and everything like that, not everybody's awake at the same time. I remember having to wake up my younger brother who wasn't old enough for seminary yet so that we could say a prayer at like six in the morning before I went to seminary. Oh. <laughs> Chris, get up and pray. As a person who hates mornings, I might throw a shoe at you, seriously, if you're trying to wake me up to talk to Jesus for five minutes. <laughs> So I remember we were having like family night together and like the five times I had it growing up with them. And I remember one time, here's their family night. Let's watch a movie together. Sarah, why don't you go pick one out? Nine-year-old Sarah picked Die Hard. <laughs> and my parents let nine-year-old Sarah watch Die Hard the movie. That's not how family night's meant to work. 
<laughs> no. Yes, yeah, so for those listening, one of the many Mormon rituals was every Monday night was set aside for family night, or we called it family home evening. Mm-hmm. And there were even manuals on how oh. to conduct family home evening the best. It wasn't just stay home, have time with your family. It was, you know, have a prayer together. The dad is the priesthood holder and patriarch of the family, has to teach some sort of lesson. Then the mum can teach a lesson. Then you play a couple of games together, have something to eat, and then, you know, you pray together again at the end of it. So it was like a mini church session just with your family that you're meant to do every Monday night. Because apparently three hours on Sunday isn't enough, church. Now we got to cram some more in there, too. Yeah, yeah. And seminary every day of the week. And then when you graduate from seminary, institute every day of the week. And uh. So my parents were kind of wishy-washy. They picked and choose as a good Christian should. Yeah, yeah. So again, me, an eight-year-old watching the rated R movie was fine as long as there wasn't sex scenes in it. Like violence, blood, gore, whatever, bring it on. But there's sex in there. We shouldn't watch it. Were you allowed to drink caffeinated soft drinks? Yes. That was the one thing I rebelled as. I think my whole family, that was our one rebellious thing is we all like drinking Coke. Then for me, Dr. Pepper. See, we were a diehard Pepsi family. Uh, okay. Around the time I met Patience was when Dr. Pepper first came to Australia. I was Paul's jam. I was obsessed with Dr. Pepper. I love a good DP. Yes. Yeah. And I introduced everyone at school to it and everyone was like, yeah, can you drink that shit? Mm, yeah. So we could drink the caffeinated drinks, but knowing how could coffee cross our threshold of house type of a thing so again a lot of picking and choosing what they wanted to do and i noticed as an adult when i looked back at it they picked the things that my parents didn't have to do themselves praying as a family several times a day and having scripture study my mom and dad are like fuck that we're tired we have five kids in six years we're tired anything that required any amount of effort from them we did not follow but my parents on the outside tried to look as mormon as possible especially since all their friends were mormon my parents best friends couples that always did everything together they're all mormon so when my parents divorced they kind of started to shun both of them. And uh, that's when my dad started leaving the church. He actually left because of the people. He didn't let go of his faith until a couple of years after that. How old were you when your parents got divorced? Yeah, I was in my 20s. I mean, let's be real, they should have done it years before. <laughs> in fact, I told my therapist, I'm like, I don't think I would need you if they divorced. Did you know anybody else in the church who got divorced? Um, Not in the core. I don't remember hearing about anybody getting divorced until probably mid-90s, so I would have been in my teens. It was the first time I knew of somebody within the ward who ended up getting divorced, and it was a big scandal. Everyone was talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happened to my parents, who were married almost 30 years at that point when they decided to divorce, basically lost all their friends. And my father's really hurt by it. So he's like, I'm done. I don't like the people that are in there. But the weird thing is I brought up something, and he's like, oh, but Joseph Smith, the prophet. I'm like, Dad, you've been out of church for years. What are you doing still believing that shit? It was only about a year or two later, um, we were talking about ghosts or something like that. He's like, Oh, that's all bullshit. <laughs> I go, well, don't you believe in that? The spirits and everything? He goes, oh, I didn't tell you. No, I'm atheist. <laughs> He's like, there is no God. I'm like, daddy. <laughs> 
I got my daddy back. It's funny though, you mentioned how there were Sunday Mormons. What I've learned since is pretty much every Sunday at church was just basically a pissing contest. It was like every single family trying to show that they were more Mormon than all the other families while keeping all of their dirty secrets, you know, kind of hidden away. Mm-hmm, yeah. You show up at church on Sunday and you are the most Mormon, Mormon family to ever Mormon. Oh yeah. All the way down to the daughters wearing matching dresses and bows type of a thing. Uh, yeah. The son's having the same tie as their dad. and you know. Yes. Oh my God. Especially on Father's Day. There's three types of Mormons I found. Ones that truly believe it and want to go, which is rare. Tina Toppers. You know, the ones that try to outdo the Joneses. And then there's the ones that my parents fell under, which is they are very social people. And that is a great place to be social. My parents half the time were the last ones out of church because they're always talking in the hall. And we are like laying there in our station wagon. Like, can we please just go? We've been here now for four hours. Can we please just go? It's because my parents loved everyone that was in the church. So again, I'm not surprised that my dad left because the members let him down. That was his core. That was everyone that he was friends with. But my mom, even though she hasn't been to church in years, she still calls herself a Mormon. If you ask her, oh, yeah, I'm Mormon. I'm like, mom, do you even know where your local church is? <laughs> but yeah, she still calls herself Mormon. Even though I left Mormonism, I tried different Christian churches, purposely looking for progressive churches to go to. I think I did it out of spite because the Mormons that I knew told me like, well, if you leave the church, you're just going to lose your faith in Jesus. And I was like, oh, you're not taking that away from me. And then it just got to the point where I'm like, it's bullshit. I'm a little surprised that the church didn't try to get you back because they keep you on the books. And if you don't go for a few weeks, they try and check up on you and try and get you back in the fold. Oh, yeah. Oh, they did. When Illy and I moved back from working on the East Coast and we were done, we moved to a new house. And the last ward that we were in was actually phenomenal. I loved it. I didn't leave because of the Mormon people. I left because I didn't believe it anymore. But I still stayed in touch with the bishop. And we told him we were moved back into town. And he asked Ilya, what is your address? I want to send you a housewarming card. His housewarming card was the bishop, two missionaries, and the quorum president all in one day come to our front door. <laughs> so the next time we moved, we made sure we were not telling any Mormon our address. They still found us. <laughs> still- Luckily, when I left, all of the timing worked out. I just moved to Toowoomba around the time I left. And although I went to church a couple of times, nobody knew me well enough so that when I left, I was able to sneak away and nobody noticed. Whereas if I'd left around where I grew up, I would have had them beat my door down. Exactly. Exactly. When Ellie and I moved, it was nowhere near where anyone I knew in the Mormon church was in that area, which was great. No running into them. They still found us. So how did you eventually stop them calling? Um, it's funny that you say that because that literally was the reason why I took my name off of the church record. Because even though you leave the church, they still have you down as a Mormon in their record. And that's how when they talk about their numbers of how popular they are, let's realize that most of those numbers are inactive members. I kept on getting letters from the Relief Society president. We kept on having missionaries try to come over. And finally, I remember we got a newsletter from the Relief Society president. And it says, you know, any questions, here's my email. So I wrote her and I asked her to stop writing. Her? It wasn't a man. Oh, the Relief Society is for women. I thought it was run by a man, though. Oh, in their meetings, they have to have a man presiding. 
but it, it is a woman's organization. Oh, that's nice. Uh, it's literally right. <laughs> they answer to men, even though oh. it's a female's organization. The reason we have the female organization is because they needed a place to put us because they weren't going to give us the priesthood. Yeah. They weren't going to put us on our side. So they're like, let's give you this cute little package of taking care of the home and family. Here you go. We'll call it Relief Society because we're the ones that help when something happens bad. It's really just relief for men conscience isn't it oh yeah busy work is what i called it actually patience uh when we talk to emma smith shortly you can ask her about the relief society she set it all up oh okay you're gonna fire up the urim and thummim and have a chat again yeah oh, yeah yeah okay i'm, I'm really looking <laughs> forward doing that to that soon? i can't wait uh, i can't wait i want to hear from emma smith she's got some juicy stuff i'm sure is emma gonna be talking through your body yeah yeah so you have to tell me what i look like as a woman i'm guessing i'm gonna look pretty sexy <laughs> 